Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. Welcome, everybody, to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And as you know, I talk about four different types of freedom, time, financial, location, health freedom. And in that light, I'm always scouring the globe connecting with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, picking their brains, recording them, and sharing their insights with the world. So today we have a special guest. His name is Connor Boyek, and he's an author. He's a public speaker. He's a TV show producer, podcaster, and a libertarian. So what's this episode is going to be a fantastic conversation. It's going to be all about the educational system, freedom, um, being in control of your own destiny, and I'll let him describe his background and upbringing. So, Connor, welcome. Thank you. Appreciate being uh, being on here with you. Yeah, um, it's it's it, I'm I'm a I'm a libertarian myself, and um, tell us more about yourself and how you got started, and we'll go from there. So, I'm what I like to call a full time freedom fighter. I all day long get to try and solve problems for people and remove laws and regulations and things that are in their way, whether it's a small business owner uh, or a family, just trying to help people embrace and understand the power of having more freedom. So I run a nonprofit. We change laws. We partner with elected officials across the country and get laws changed at a state and local level. And I've uh, been doing that for about 11 years. And along the way, I've written 37 books, I think, uh, sold millions of copies. I think we're almost at 5 million copies now. Um, created a, a kid's cartoon show. And so the, the books that are I'm most known for are the Tuttle Twins books, which uh, help parents talk to their kids about entrepreneurship and economics and money, um, you know, things that aren't really taught that well in school at all. And so uh, that's where the Tuttle Twins books could be helpful. And that's kind of what I'm, I think, most known for these days. Yeah. Interesting. Um you know, I, cause it's quite interesting cause um, I like to talk to individuals such as yourself and really these ideas of freedom and um, what, uh, what, um, tell us more about your ideas for talking to your kids about the ideas of freedom. What, what goes on in those conversations? Well, when I first started uh, figuring out how to do that, I had no clue. I, turn to Amazon for help. I figured there's books on potty training and there's books on the birds and the bees, you know, surely there will be books about entrepreneurship and money and the like, and really came up short. Uh, there wasn't really anything great, hardly anything at all. And so that was actually the genesis of us doing these books was to kind of fill that market void and say, let's actually try and do this. And it's very interesting. What I've discovered after doing this for seven, eight years now with the Tuttle Twins is that 
kids can learn far more than we give them credit for. It's very fascinating to me how kids just really love these books, like really, really love them. And their parents will often share all these stories like my kids hate reading or they'll, they resist everything. I try and get them to read, but they'll read these books. And that's happened so many times over the years. And so, you know, focus groups and surveys and trying to talk to parents and figure out why is this happening? Why do kids like learning about this type of stuff? And the leading theory is that, you know, every kid wants to be like a big kid and every big kid wants to be like an adult. And, and you have that kind of innate aspiration for, you know, being part of the cool kids club and being hanging with the people who are older than you. And so kids have that. But I think a lot of the educational material that they're subjected to meets them at their age. It treats them like a kid. And so, um, you know, they find it boring. They find it irrelevant. They're not challenged. They're not intrigued. They're not enticed, you know, to... And our books are not pulling punches. They're teaching real world, big ideas. Yes, they're simplified. Yes, they're fully illustrated. Yes, you know, we it's a kid's book. But the ideas are, are very deep and uh, the words are very big and they're complicated. I mean, we teach praxeology. No other kid's book talks about praxeology, the study of human behavior uh, or spontaneous order or all these like economic terms. But through storytelling, it makes sense to kids and they like learning about it. And so I've learned that the power of storytelling, it's its just, you know, the grease, the oil that just keeps everything lubricated. When you teach through story, it lands so much better. Um, and I've learned the, the importance of actually taking time to talk to our kids about real world ideas that we might think, oh, when they're adults, you know, these are adult ideas. I realized, no, we, we, we can and I think we should start when they're younger, give them a foundation, not worry that they're not going to understand because they want to, they like it and we've kind of vetted that through our model is that they just crave some of these bigger so-called adult ideas. Yeah. Interesting. Cause um, a number of my colleagues, they've written, they've actually um, niched down in this area of children's books. And it's always been fascinating to me, but um, there's actually a large market in, um, you know, what you're talking about through these storytelling and all of that. Um, one thing is um, one thing that I have a, I have uh, issues with the modern school system. I made it through, but it you know it wasn't without pulling punches or anything. And um, shouldn't schools be teaching topics in your books, such as you know entrepreneurship, um, free markets, money, independence, and more? There are schools that do. My children are enrolled in one. It's a private school called uh, an Acton Academy, started by an entrepreneur out of Austin, Texas, years ago, Jeff Sandifer. Um, and so there are school models where they do teach this stuff. Now, the government schools that we like to call public schools, they do not. Um, and if I'm putting on a, a, you know, a tinfoil hat for a moment, I think a lot of the people who uh, architected the, the modern public school system decades ago, they did not want to foster entrepreneurship and independent thinking. Uh, people like Horace Mann and John Dewey and some of these guys that were extremely influential in the early days of building the modern school system. Uh, they were collectivists. They were socialists. They uh, wanted children to follow orders. They wanted them to be subordinated to the collective will. They wanted them to do what they were told. This, of course, matched very well with the economy of the time, because as the industrial era kind of came, the, the conveyor belt model, you know, the Model T and everything else, right during the progressive era with all these schools coming online, it, it was seen as a great thing. Hey, the, the, we're training workers. They'll sit at their little part of the conveyor belt. They'll do what they're told. They won't go to the bathroom without permission. They'll be a team player. 
And, uh, and we've moved past that. Our schools today continue to train kids for an economy that was around a century ago. Uh, they're not training them for today's economy, let alone a future one, and understanding the importance of flexibility and innovation and creative thinking and adaptability and all these things. I'll share a very brief story uh, that maybe epitomizes this. Um, recently, a group uh, was appointed by the president uh, and his team uh, to come together and, and analyze uh, education in America. How, how's it going? How are the schools doing? Curriculum and all the rest. Uh, it was called the National Commission on Excellence in Education. And, you know, they spent 18 months going across the country, holding public meetings, trying to understand how's it going. They produced a, a, this report called A Nation at Risk, in which they go on to say that there's a rising tide of mediocrity in America's educational performance that threatens to overwhelm our institutions. And that if an unfriendly foreign power had attempted to impose on America the very mediocre educational performance that now exists today, we might have viewed it as an act of war. As it stands, we've done it to ourselves. Now, I must confess, I, I fibbed a little bit. I said that this was recent. This was not recent. This was done in 1983 when Ronald Reagan was the president. 40 years ago, this group felt at the time that we had a rising tide of mediocrity in America's schools. I, when I do public speaking, I have to share this story and I ask people like, who, raise their hands. Anyone think that things have gotten better education-wise in the past 40 years? And no one typically is brave enough to raise their hand when I ask the question. Um, so, so to me, for families, for your you know, clients, listeners, everyone else who is interested in financial freedom and helping their kids understand these ideas and so forth, uh, my message is we have to take that into our own hands. We have to, uh, whether you're going to put them in a home, you know, private school or homeschool them or keep them in public school, we have to realize that we can't delegate that to anyone else. These need to be family conversations. These need to be you know, discussions that we have, that we read books like the Tuttle Twins or whatever together. But we have discussions. We do it in the home because we can't assume that the school system is, is going to do it or do it well. They're not. It's up to us, and we shouldn't delegate that to anyone else to do a, a, a piss-poor job if they even attempt it at all. Yeah. Uh, I was reading, you know, these ideas, and um, I was reading that, uh, you know, the, um, the schools were designed to make us factory workers, like just basically push us in the factories. And, um, you know, then when you, had, when you had professions like law and medicine and engineering People went into those because those were more knowledge and professional, but it's still, you know, they, these professions have still become, you know, what you call um, indentured servitude. So um, what, uh, you know, is it, interesting, you know, we can, um, like, we have to take our financial education in our own hands because this is not taught in schools, you know, they, they, they're still teaching us uh, balancing a checkbook, etc. So, um one thing is, uh, there's this rising um, trend of homeschooling. Tell us more about that. Well, uh, we definitely saw this during COVID um, when everyone was suddenly a homeschooler for a couple of weeks when they shut the schools down. And um, but but post COVID, homeschooling has tripled. There are over five million kids in America who today are are being homeschooled. This has remained a consistent thing, and. I think a lot of parents are very, very fed up with some of the problems we've discussed. They've seen that the the schools are not doing a 
good job for their children and they want the best for their children. They want them to rise above and, and excel and have these wonderful lives and not be stuck drowning in a so-called rising tide of mediocrity that 40 years ago, these people observed uh, were happening. Um, and so homeschooling uh, is exploding. Uh, you have a lot of what are called homeschool co-ops, cooperatives. These are families coming together and supporting one another in their community, uh, putting on field trips and activities, sharing classes where like different parents can just teach a class based on their expertise. And so, you know, a, a doctor could go teach, you know, biology or medicine or human anatomy or whatever. And so a lot of the parents kind of volunteer and, and teach one another's kids based on their knowledge uh, expertise, which works really well. Um, and, you know, through online learning and all uh, Khan Academy and all these different resources online, it's never been easier, uh, especially with remote learning. A lot of parents have better been able to accommodate homeschooling because they can work while their kids are learning at home and they can kind of together just be at home. The kids are doing an online thing or they're at a class at their co-op, you know, while the parents are getting some uh, work done. So things have just completely changed post COVID and it's not, the trend is not reversing. If anything um, it's, you know, we're seeing more and more families come out to, to homeschool. Um, and, and I frankly think that that's a good thing because I think that that more direct individualized approach is far superior for the families who can actually accommodate it it's far superior for the kids. Uh, the outcomes are, are staggeringly significant. Every test that's been done pitting public school kids against homeschool kids, the homeschool kids always beat them and it's no surprise. Um, and so it's, it's just, it, I'm, I'm a huge evangelist for it. We homeschooled our kids for a decade. Um, it's something that I think uh, all families should seriously evaluate and consider if they can do it. Uh, just because I think it ultimately is um, going to be better for most kids out there who, you know, especially if you're entrepreneurial or creative thinker, you got ADHD or all these things, right? It's very hard to sit at a desk, memorize what you're told, you know, the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Okay, big whoop. You know, maybe a doctor like you needs to know that, right? <laughs> a guy like me probably never needed to learn that. Um, you know, or the quadratic equation or all these things crammed in our head. And I was the kid who would raise my hand and say, you know, why are we learning this? And they, put your hand down. It's on the test. That's why. <laughs> so I think a lot of kids struggle with that model. And homeschooling is just an opportunity for a lot of those kids to thrive in an environment that is better suited to them. Yeah. Um, a couple questions on uh, homeschooling is um, for, um, you know, you see uh, in terms of college admissions, I know a lot of um, Gen Z are electing not to go to college because they feel like it's a waste of time and resources. But um, when you do, when you graduate homeschool, do you see admission to some of the more selective colleges, same equal footing, higher, less? What do you, what do you, what is the It's mixed. Uh, some, some universities really welcome and even court homeschoolers. They see them as, you know, exemplary individuals who have a little bit more moxie and, and ambition in a lot of cases than the kids who've just been on a conveyor belt for a decade and, you know, are, are part of the factory system already. So there's schools out there that welcome it and encourage it. There are others that are ambivalent, but have created a pathway for it. So like, oh, hey, if you're an applicant who's homeschooled, here's what we want to see from you. Um, and there are others that are still kind of stuck in their ways of, you know, you must uh, have a high school diploma. And, and uh, but it's, it's mixed. And to your exact point, a lot of homeschoolers uh, elect not to go to college because they 
homeschooled or their parents homeschooled them because of the resistance to the conveyor belt approach to learning. And so why go back onto the conveyor belt or, or, or do that when that's not really your thing? Much like homeschooling is flourishing, so too are alternatives to college, whether it's code camps to learn how to become a programmer, right? Apprenticeships like Praxis, where you can just get right into the job market if you want to do, you know, marketing or business development or sales or whatever. Um, certainly, if you want to be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever, you got to, you know, uh, do your time and, and go through the the process. But for a lot of kids, it's uh, the world has never been more abundant with opportunity to explore different pathways that will save them time, money, uh, indoctrination, if you will. And, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of pluses to, to schools, to college. It's not that I, I think they're inherently problematic, but as with all things, there are trade-offs and you have to balance those trade-offs. And so my, my pitch and plea to parents is just, let's have an introspective uh, intentional conversation about what's best rather than just assume, oh, this is what I did when I was a kid and I turned out fine, right? <laughs> Things are a little different than they were decades ago. And so I think we owe it to our kids to to figure out like, is the path we went through really the best for our kids? Yeah. And um, the other question I had is, um, uh, in, you know, with the, even though you have school and um, these academic programs that are, um, that are, uh, you know, with different intentions and all of that what about uh for example like socialization um, learning how to work together communicate um teamwork all of that uh yesterday i was speaking with bj fogg who's the author of the book tiny habits he teaches out of stanford done a lot of research on habits and uh he and i were talking uh because i um i saw him speak a few weeks ago and he shared how he was doing this project with his um, students at Stanford that was a collaborative model. They were evaluated together. They had to rely on one another and really you know, pull their own weight. And the students loved it and started communicating to Professor Fogg that they never had had that experience really before, that their entire educational track has been one of um, ruthless individuality, you might say, right? No sharing, no because that's cheating. Right. No, no collaboration, no nothing. You're on your own. You must do this all yourself. And he was perplexed by that because he's like, the real world is not that way at all. Like your success depends on your collaboration and teamwork and ability to, to, to do things. So I love this question that you ask, because to me, um, it's exactly opposite of what most people assume. Most people assume that the schools are a good environment for socialization and are preparing kids for the real world. I, I don't think that that's true. I think as Professor Fogg has seen, BJ Fogg, you know, these kids that go through the school system are not being prepared that way. And if anything, the socialization that's happening on school campuses, I think is extremely toxic. When you look at bullying and sexual abuse and profanity and vulgarity, disrespect of teachers, physical violence, like all these things, as for me as a dad, when I think about how I might want my kids to be so-called socialized, do I want to place them in a toxic environment just so they toughen up and learn that that's how the real world, like kids see more physical violence on a school campus than they ever will in their life. And, and so why would I want to subject personally my, my, my kids to that uh, environment? 
the counter argument would be, well, if you're homeschooled, you're not going to be socialized. My, my kids are going all over. They're interacting with adults. You know, they're in a homeschool co-op with other friends. There's zero bullying at all because parents are there and there's more meaningful contact. We're going out on field trips and getting behind the scenes tours with entrepreneurs. They're asking these people questions. They're in, participating in kids markets like farmers markets where they're like interacting with customers and learning entrepreneurship. Like it, it's an, a myth from decades ago for anyone to think that in, with through homeschooling, you, you aren't socialized. Um, if anything, I think in a lot of respects, it's superior. And I think the socialization uh, that happens in our school campuses is, is very inferior, if not counterproductive to what we want hum good humans to become. That's another reason why I think that intentionality and introspection is needed to say, well, wait a minute, like with what's going on today, is this, is that the right environment? And if not, you know, where else might be? Yeah, very fascinating discussion. Really, uh, you know, a lot of, excuse me, a lot of school campuses, they, um, you know, we have to worry about, you know, whether our kids are physically safe and all of that. And um, you really point out some very good um, uh, points. So I know a lot of people are interested from this discussion. Uh, how can they follow you on social media, contact you, visit your website? Well, thanks. It's been a great conversation. I could be on the soapbox for hours. This is a topic <laughs> that I, I get really fired up about. Um, uh, and uh, so, but the conversation's good. Hopefully it sparks some curiosity for a lot of your listeners. Um, I'm easy to find Connor Boyack. Uh, you can find me on social media, Google me, connorboyack.com. Uh, but more particularly, if, if you're a dad, a grandparent, an uncle, and you want to foster some conversation in your home or with the little ones in your life about financial freedom, and political freedom, economic freedom, all the freedoms, uh, would invite you to go to TuttleTwins.com, T-U-T-T-L-E, TuttleTwins.com. Uh, we've got books for teenagers, for toddlers, for kids of every age in between. We have a cartoon. Uh, we have uh, a game. We have curriculum. We have a podcast of our own. We have all kinds of resources to empower those uh, families to have conversations about real-world ideas that matter Great Christmas gifts, by the way, uh, some good stocking stuffers, but TuttleTwins.com is where it's at. Excellent. And for all the audience out there listening, um, Connor's resources will be in the links and show notes. So thanks so much. Be sure to follow him on social media, check out his books. And with that, thanks for coming on to the podcast. And we really appreciate your wisdom. Thank you. you are listening if you liked it be sure to like comment share subscribe we're on everywhere spotify itunes google amazon audible and without much ado be sure to thank this show's sponsors and we'll see you next week